The podcast you are about to hear is on the employee retention credit. Please note that on September 14, 2023, the IRS indicated it would put a pause on processing new employee retention credit claims through at least the end of the year. If your organization has not yet claimed the employee retention credit, claims will still be accepted, but organizations should expect delays and refunds will not be processed until at least after the end of the year. If your organization has already claimed the employee retention credit, the IRS announced that delays in processing should be expected as they review claims. The IRS also announced new programs for taxpayers who now believe they may have made an employee retention credit claims an error. A quote from Danny Werfel, the IRS commissioner, businesses should seek out a trusted tax professional who actually understands the complex employee retention credit rules, not a promoter or marketer hustling to get a hefty contingency fee. Please keep this information in mind as you sit back and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to PKF O'Connor Davies Podcast, Nonprofits Insight Out. I'm Lenore Sanchez, Senior Audit Manager specializing in nonprofit organizations. Today's topic is 10 pressing questions about the employee retention credit. Joining us to provide insight on this topic are Chris Miliaccio and Kristen Anderson. Thank you so much for joining. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chris Miliaccio. I'm a partner at PKFOD in tax advisory, and I'm our firm's leader on the employee retention credit. And I'm Kristen Anderson. I'm a senior manager in the exempt organizations tax group, and I work together with Chris on employee retention credit projects for our nonprofit clients. That's wonderful. You know, the employee retention credit, or ERC, is a key potential source of revenue for nonprofits to consider. However, navigating eligibility and understanding the potential credit can be quite difficult. I've also noticed that there's quite a bit of misconception about the ERC, some of them promoted by service providers trying to push organizations to file for credits that they may not be entitled to. So taking all that into consideration, let's start with the basics. Can you explain to our listeners what the employee retention credit is? For instance, is it a grant with an application process or similar to the PPP loan application process? Sure. The ERC is a payroll tax credit that's available to eligible employers. It's claimed by filing amended quarterly payroll tax returns with the IRS for the organization's eligible quarters in either 2020 or 2021, which would show a tax refund. That's right. And getting a tax credit refund doesn't constitute the IRS giving their approval for an application the way applying for a grant would be. It's simply filing amended payroll tax return and the IRS processing that return. The IRS can always audit the credit claim even after the refund check has arrived, um, and they have up to five years to audit that payroll tax return after it's filed. That is very different from a grant process and a key point to keep in mind. Can you talk to us about which periods the ERC applies to? Sure. The employee retention credit is available for the period of time between March 13th, 2020 and September 30th, 2021. The credit, unfortunately, is not available in the fourth quarter of 2021 with just limited exceptions. 
and it's also not available in the first quarter of 2020 for the period of time before the COVID-19 closures began. Yeah. And further, qualifying for one quarter doesn't necessarily qualify an organization for the whole period. So how would an organization be able to identify whether or not they qualify? Sure. There's two ways to qualify. The first is what's called a significant decline in gross receipts, which compares quarters in 2020 and 2021 to quarters in 2019. You're looking for a 50% decline in 2020, 20% decline in 2021. The other option is to be fully or partially shut down by a government order. Is one way to qualify better than another? Not necessarily, although what's nice about using a decline in gross receipts is that it's objective. The numbers are the numbers. Right. That seems like it would provide a board a lot of comfort. Can you explain the definition of gross receipts as it pertains to the ERC and also whether or not it takes into consideration operating revenue? Actually, Lenore, gross receipts covers all types of gross revenue as shown on a nonprofit organization's Form 990. That's not just operating revenue. It's all types of revenue, including investment income, rental income, and miscellaneous income. Expenses and cost of goods sold or cost of sales don't factor in at all. And this can create some pretty unique results for a nonprofit because so many different components of revenue go into the calculation. Yeah, that's why it's always worth running the numbers if possible, because you never know what one quarter might show. But it can also mean a significant amount of work for certain organizations because a year's worth of income needs to be allocated to the proper quarter in order to do the comparative test. Agreed. That does seem like it could be a big project for some organizations, but potentially well worth it in the end. You mentioned that the gross receipts test is objective. Is the government order test not? And which government orders would qualify? Fortunately, the IRS has provided specific guidance in this area, but it's not always perfectly clear. We know that mask wearing and social distancing requirements on their own don't constitute a governmental order. Furthermore, eligibility on the basis of a shutdown order is limited to the specific time frame that the governmental order was in place. Broadly, what you need to show is a direct government restriction on an organization's ability to provide service not the public's interest in using an organization's services. And this is the place where there's the most controversy about the ERC, because the ERC mills are taking aggressive positions that say basically everyone qualifies, and that things have changed and been made easier. But in fact, the same rules have been in place since 2021, and there's significant gray areas for a lot of organizations. So should an organization avoid the government order test altogether? It really depends on an organization's facts and circumstances. Sometimes the government shutdown order is very clear, like with schools, or at least clear enough to get to a comfortable position. But for many organizations, qualifying based on gross receipts will be a more objective standard that a board can get comfortable with. Yeah, and the vagueness of the rules regarding governmental orders can be very frustrating for organizations that find themselves in the gray area. What about nonprofits that involve multiple organizations? Should they be considered all together for the employee retention credit? Lenore, I'm so glad you asked this. Yes, aggregation rules do exist, which treat organizations that are related and under common control as a single employer for both eligibility analysis and the calculation of the credits themselves. And that's irrespective of whether each organization files separate tax returns for their payroll taxes. We look at an organization's Schedule R of Form 990 as a guide to which organizations should be aggregated. That's helpful to know. And if any of our listeners have multiple entities that are aggregated, what should they know? 
Well, you have to consider all the controlled entities and related entities in your group. You could have several entities that together become a large employer with more than 500 full-time employees when aggregated together. This is a key point. Sometimes nonprofits have employees across multiple entities that they control, and they all need to be factored in together in determining ERC qualification. This is starting to sound like a lot of work. How big of a credit can an organization get? The maximum credit in 2020 is $5,000 per employee for the entire year 2020. However, the maximum credit in 2021 is $7,000 per employee per quarter for each of the first three quarters of 2021. However, due to eligibility determinations by quarter, the degree of overlap of wages with the PPP loan forgiveness and the size of the employer, some organizations may actually end up with larger credits in 2020 than 2021, and some quarters may not be eligible at all. This is why understanding qualification is so important. The big numbers thrown around by the credit mills assume qualification into the end of the 2021 period to get to the $26,000 per employee that they talk about. But for organizations that are sizable but below 500 full-time employees, the credits still can be very, very significant. 500 employees, can you explain the significance of that? Sure. There's, the credit operates differently for large and small employers for the ERC. For small employers, the credit applies to all wages paid during the time period in, in which someone qualifies. But if you're a large employer, the credit only applies for wages paid for time not worked. The threshold to determine a large employer is always based on full-time employees in 2019. And the threshold in 2020 is 100 full-time employees in 2019. And the threshold in 2021 is 500 full-time employees in 2019. Certainly a big factor to consider before doing the work on ERC eligibility. Absolutely. What about organizations that receive the PPP loan? Are they eligible for the employee retention credit? Another great question, Lenore. Actually, organizations that received PPP funding, either PPP1 or PPP2 or both, may actually be eligible. However, the same employee wages that were used for PPP loan forgiveness cannot be used for the employee retention credit. And this was a real change, as initially, organizations that got a PPP could not also get the ERC. Uh, this changed in late 2020 and really opened things up for ERC qualification. And for the calculation, it's actually more complicated than simply avoiding the whole period of time that the PPP covered period takes place for the ERC. The IRS guidance uh, allows us to use wages in the covered period of the PPP loan also for the ERC to the degree they weren't used for loan forgiveness. And what about other grants that are not related to the CARES Act? Similar double dipping rules apply here. So, for example, something like the Shuttered Venue Grants that many nonprofit organizations got, specifically there are rules that you can't double dip between that and the ERC, and other grants that nonprofits get, even if the ERC rules don't specifically cover them, we recommend avoiding taking credits on grant money that has been used to specifically pay salaries. That makes sense. Now that the hard work is over, the organization qualifies, the paperwork is done, how long can it be before an organization can expect to receive the ERC funds? And this is probably the question we get most of all. And the answer is that the current wait time to receive the employee retention credit refunds from the IRS varies, um, typically between 9 to 12 months, but maybe longer or maybe shorter, um, depending on the size of the credit and IRS processing time. And one fact is that the IRS mails checks for the refunds. There's no direct deposit. 
The million dollar question has been answered. Can you provide us with information related to the employee retention credit deadline? Sure. There's a different deadline for 2020 quarters versus those in 2021, based on the statute of limitations for amended payroll tax returns. 2020 quarters credits can be claimed through April 15th, 2024, and 2021 quarters credits can be claimed through April 15th, 2025. That 2024 deadline for 2020 is beginning to approach, so it's really worth considering now whether an organization qualifies for 2020. Chris and Kristen, you have certainly provided us with a lot to think about. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for a nonprofit organization listening to this is to really consider the ERC. On the one hand, don't think that everyone qualifies and there's simply a pot of gold that's waiting for you, but also don't simply ignore it and think that it's too hard or some kind of scam. Really take a look and determine because there may be qualification and credits that are there for you. Thank you for sharing your insight on the ERC and the value it brings to organizations. PKF O'Connor JV serves a wide range of nonprofit entities. For more information and or to connect with us, please visit our website at pkfod.com. Until next time, nonprofits, insight out.